You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I love you, moms. Can we celebrate again our moms and just love on mama today? My, my mom was in service last night, and, and uh, I am who I am today because of my mother and my father. My mother taught me grace, perseverance. Um, she didn't always have the best circumstances growing up, but in her adult life, uh, while raising four children, working full-time, sometimes two jobs, uh, got her associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, and two master's degrees. And so my mother is a hero for me. And uh, I am who I am today because of her investment in my life, and I'm forever grateful. Um, And uh, so love your mamas today. Moms, we love you. Uh, You make such an investment into the the future, into the families, and so thank you. And, And I know family, the DNA of family is so different today. I mean, even single dads, I mean, you, you carry a role. Single moms, you carry a dual role. And so we love you. And, and, and for all of you uh, that, that pour into the next generation, that's just incredible. And my heart's out for you, and I love you for that. And so happy Mother's Day. Heather is loving today. Um, this is the first Mother's Day in 10 years that she has both daughters in the same house. And we have the grandbaby home. So yes. But just for the record... Poppy is still the favorite. Um, I bribe with toys, ice cream, candy, cookies, whatever it takes, baby. So Poppy has the number one role in, in Winona's life, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm even, the be- I'm even the grand dog's favorite, and so, hey, that's just how I roll. So it's, it's hey, treats, right? Uh, but if you got your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5. I got a, I got a tough message today. I'm just going to just front you with that, and... Um, God laid this series on our heart about, about eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, about relationships. And, and uh, it's just amazing how the enemy is, is just attacking so many relationships, marriages in our church. And uh, uh, this, this message today is, is, is one that I hope um, God uses to do some restoration work. And so I'm, I'm just asking you to lock in with me. Um, and uh, this is going to be a heavy one. And uh, so, uh, so Ephesians chapter 5, but uh, the verse that we have used for this series to kind of launch us into it is, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, we all with unveiled face. So th- th- there's got to be something that comes away from our eyes, from our mind, from everything, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image that same image of Jesus. God wants us to look more like Jesus, but we're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. And so a lot of times we think in our faith, we're like, I, I prayed the prayer, I made the decision, I, I committed my life to Jesus, and now I'm done, that's taken care of, check. But that's not what this verse is teaching us, that there's a transformation that God wants to do in our life. There's a change to our heart. There's a complete transformation Overall, our mind being renewed, our spirit being born, everything, this transformation. But then it says, from one glory to another, which means it's an ongoing process, that God desires to enter a relationship with us that continues to change us as we move along in life, that we're never, we're never, we're never completed, we're never finished, and we continue this pursuit. And this unveiling is, is central to us seeing how to do relationships God's way. 
The world's got a way of doing relationships, and God's got a way. Now, we all grew up in different families, and some, some grew up in church, some did not. We all have a different perspective on things, and, and the world has, has a way of leading us into its way of thinking. Now, I'm not, I, here, here's what I just want you to know. The world, the system is broken, okay? It's not, there's no current, there's no flow, there's no natural way that the world's going to move us in a way that's closer to God. It's always going to move us away. And so God says, I have a way, and that requires transformation. And when we look at relationships, there's really the world's way and there's God's way. And, and, and God's way, or the world's way will start like this. It goes down the list in your notes. It says, uh, find the right person. So what we do is we begin this search. We say, okay, I've got to find the There's somebody on the face of this planet that is out there that's going to be my completion, going to be my soulmate, going to be the one that just brings it all together. So I've got to go find the right person. When I think I've found the right person, then I fall in love. And, and we treat falling in love kind of like falling in a ditch. I was just going along and boom, there it just was. I was just in love. It's just, I don't know what to do. But fall in love. And then where it gets dangerous is this, seek fulfillment in them. What we do is we go through this process and our belief set becomes this under the world's way of thinking, that there is, there's a person out there that's going to complete me. There's a person out there that's going to meet every one of my needs. And so I've got to find that person. When I find that person, I'm going to, I'm going to emotionally just throw myself into the ring with this person and then I'm going to expect them to meet all my needs. Here's the challenge. Here's, here's what my mama always used to say. If you're going to have one whole marriage, you have to have two whole people. Marriage is not one plus one equals two. Marriage is one plus one equals one. You've got to have a healthy husband. You've got to have a healthy wife. You've got to have a healthy man. You've got to have a healthy woman in order to have a healthy marriage. This whole idea of you complete me, that's simply just not true. There is no one on the face of this planet that can fulfill every one of our needs. And God did not create in another person the ability to meet every one of our needs. And what happens is when we submit into this process, we're going to be let down. And so when failure occurs, repeat steps one through three. We get into a cycle of just, okay, well, you did, you're just not working out, so now I got to go find the right person again. And so we get into this cycle, and here's where transformation happens. Here's God's way of looking at it. God says, don't find the right person, become the right person. That's transformation. That's a renewal. That's a complete change in who we are. That is inside out. That it's, it's not trying harder in relationships. It's transformation. Too many times we think it's trying harder. And it comes down to being transformed by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Become the right person. God created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. That's why you need to call your mama today and thank her. She carried you. If she adopted you, she still took the long way around. But God formed you and created you. He knows the innermost part of your being. And he has a perfect plan and a purpose for your life. And he's created you. He's wired you. He's given you passions and giftings. And he says, I have a purpose for your life. God does not do anything without purpose. And so when we're transformed, we say, God, I want to be who you created me to be. I want to be the man that you've called me to be and created me to be, God. And I begin walking in this. I begin walking in love. 
Love is not some emotion you just fall into like a ditch. It's, it's a choice. Colossians chapter 3, I love what Paul is writing to the church. He says, he says beloved ones, put on compassionate hearts, kindness and meekness. Put on humility. Put on forgiveness. And if one has a grievance against another, forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Forgive one another. And then he gets to this. He said, and above all these virtues, put on love. Put on love. Don't fall in love. Put it on. Choose to put it on. And walk in it because love binds things together in perfect harmony. Love is not a feeling or an emotion. Love is a choice. And I choose to walk in love. And then I seek my fulfillment in God. Because he and he alone can satisfy. Jesus told the woman at the well, you've been through all these relationships and they're not fulfilling you. But you come to me, I give you living water. You drink of my well, you'll never thirst again. We seek our fulfillment in him. Why? Because he's the only one who satisfies, the only one who fulfills, the only one who can be the source of love, the source of peace, the source of joy, the source of compassion, the source of forgiveness, the source of everything we need to sustain our relationships in life. And because I'm human and we all fall short of the glory of God, when failure occurs, what do we do? We repeat steps one through three. I go back to God. God, I need your grace. I need your mercy at work in my life. I have stepped out of this identity that you've called me into. God, I'm asking for your grace and bring me back into line with the the person you've created me to be and called me to be, and I want to become the right person. I'm going to choose to walk in love. I'm going to find my fulfillment in you, God. And there's a difference there in how the world sees relationships and God does. God does not see relationships as disposable. We look at relationships and we've kind of moved from a covenant to a contract. We enter in a contract. The church, we do business. I mean, the church church is a business, right? There's a business side. Our bottom line is never the dollar. But we got to do good business. We need to be an example in our community of what good business looks like. And we enter into contracts. We make contracts with organizations. But when we do, here's the thing. A contract, it's always looking out for this side. And we create those loopholes to get out of things. Our committed relationships shouldn't be contractual. If you do this, I'll do this. Our committed relationships, our marriages, need to be covenant relationships where God says, I make no loophole. I make no way out. There's a word that we we always coach people, don't use this in your relationship. Well, you never. But God said it. God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I don't back out of this. I don't take my commitments lightly. God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He does not take commitments lightly. But when he enters them, he's in them. And we look at at marriage, and and it's amazing to me. Most marriages fail because of lack of commitment. I know we, we talk about the things like, well, it's about money. It's about, it's about sex. It's about, it's about kids. It's about difference of opinions. It's about all these things. But ultimately, what marriages fell from is lack of commitment. And this never leave, never forsake is the, the level of commitment that God wants to get us to. And we can do it. He can lead us there. And it gives us some incredible instruction in the word of God. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here in, in, in verse 32. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what Quentin Tarantino does. He kind of shows you the end of the movie. Then you've got to figure out what's going on at the beginning. So here it is, verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Okay, so we're getting ready to look through Ephesians 5. And when you look at this, um, it gives us beautiful flow because it starts out with walking in love. And then it goes into here's how to handle those close relationships with you, your husband and wife relationship, your parent and child relationship, um, it, 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 how we handle our work relationships and those that are closest and most dear to us. And, and then we get into this chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. And this is, this is really the biggest collection of, of marriage help that we have. And then Paul says, but the mystery is this. I'm talking about Jesus and the church. Why? Because the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And that's why we eagerly await his, his coming, his return, so that we're united. I mean, with, it is wedding mania around my house right now. Abby and Ryan are getting married on Thursday. And let me tell you something, they are focused. I mean, they are like, it's happening, baby. I mean, the countdown, I, I, Ryan is counting down the seconds, man. And, and, and that's how we eagerly await the return of, the, of Jesus. He's like, I want this union. I want this connection. I want forever. And we, we eagerly await this. Why? Because Jesus and the church, we're his bride. So everything that, that God gives us instructions, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have instructions for husbands and wives. Everything in this, Jesus has done for us. So it changes how we even approach this. So I'm going to walk delicately through this. Verse 22. Now let me read this. Don't throw stuff. No elbows. The second word you've already seen. And I can feel the glares. So can we just kind of take a breath? Let me expose us to truth here, okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now let me explain this. (laughs) The reason we get so stiff at this word submission is because we've operated in the world's way and it has been severely abused. And it needs to be redeemed. Where does it start? Right here. Submission is simply this. It's allowing myself to be led. I mean, I, I, we hear that, well, the husband is the head of the, head of the family. Let me tell you something, husbands. If that, that's the truth, but your wife is the neck. You don't turn without her. You don't nod without her. You don't say no without her. It, that's where we get it. It's in the Bible. You know, Dad, can I do this? Go ask your mom, you know. I, I'll decide, but she's the next. She might turn this thing around. But, but submission is, is simply, it's not allowing ourselves to be walked on and is not something to be abused. And ladies, if, if, if this has been a point of abuse in your past, we need some freedom in this area. Men, if you have used this to get your way, then freedom needs to happen today. 
So wives submit. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you're going to see, it starts out where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to submit. But then, see, as a man, as a follower of Jesus, I'm called to submit. Remember, I'm talking about Christ and the church. So I'm called to submit to his leadership. He is my head. I'm part of the body. The body makes the whole thing work. But now we're going to get into the reason why we can submit. The reason I can submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Wives, the reason for submission is in these following verses. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus did that for us through the cross. He gave his life. He sacrificed his life. None of us could stand before God justified. None of us could stand before God without blemish. The only thing that I can muster up on my roast righteous acts are filthy rags. And through Christ, through what he did on the cross, he can present me before God the Father as holy and blameless by being washed with the word and the spirit of God covering me. Husbands, love your wives. None of, most of us husbands are not going to be faced with the decision to physically die for our wife. Although I have already resolved, if it's her life or mine, it's, it's, it, she's got life. I'm taking it for her. And see, I can stand here and say that in this moment, but you know where it gets really tough? Every morning I've got to lay down my life for my wife because I have selfishness, I have greed, I have areas of pride that I wrestle with. And every morning I've got to sacrifice myself on the altar, a living sacrifice to say my pride, my greed, my selfishness, my desire to get Heather to fulfill all my needs and make it all about me, that's got to die right now because I'm presenting my wife as holy and blameless. And when, when we, we have our disputes and our disagreements, you might have had a friendly little conversation on the way to church today about what you're disagreeing about. Some sported debate. Let me tell you something. When you get out, husbands, man, you present her as holy and blameless. Don't walk in that. That woman's crazy. Yeah. That woman is holy and a beloved daughter of God and has been given to you. Cherish it. Lay your life down for it. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his own, bo- of his own body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You, you, there comes a point. See, see, motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood, here's what it is. The whole purpose is we raise our kids to leave. We want them to be healthy, functioning adults. Hey, Thursday, I'm giving my daughter away. I'm getting a son in the exchange. But you know what? I'm like, that's what, that's what God gave us our daughters for, to raise them up. I have two godly young women as daughters who, have, who I have seen God work in their life for them becoming the women that God has called and created him to be. I've seen them choose to walk in love and I see them go to God for their source of fulfillment. And you know what God has done? He has brought a helpmate alongside of them. 
and I'm excited about that. They are leaving my house to establish their own. Husbands, let me, let me just say this. This might be for one of y'all in this room or one of y'all online. You might have been married 25 years, but you need to leave your mama. Today is Mother's Day. You honor your mama. You call her. You thank her. You love on her. But the number one woman in your life is your wife. We got to leave our mama. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So wait, submission and respect. That's what we're called to do as the bride of Christ. As a follower of Christ, I'm called to submit to him and respect him. And that means that Jesus, if we're talking about Christ in the church, Jesus has done everything that's worthy for me to submit. He's done all the heavy lifting. He gave his life for me. He presents me holy and blameless. He cares for me. He nourishes me. He's done those things that I'm willing to submit to him. And you know what? I respect him for doing those things. See, every person wants respect. And there's kind of two, two, two layers, I always say, to respect. That one, there's positional respect. I mean, we work in organizations, we have a boss, and I have to respect that boss. I have worked for people in my past that, that I respected the position, but I didn't respect the person. Like, I respect that, that you're, you have the ability to fire me, and I respect that, that your office has an authority over me, but that's where it ends. You've done nothing to earn my respect. But I've worked for people in my past that the, the, the positional respect gets way overshadowed by the personal respect because they've lived their life in such a way, they've invested in me, they've shown me their level of care. And you know what? I, it, it, yeah, I respect the office, but you know what? I respect the person. Husbands and wives, we both want respect. Parents, we want our kids to respect us. Like, you will respect me. But let me ask you something. Are you leaning on the positional respect? Because that's not going to hold the commitment. Are you living a life worthy of submission and respect? See, I, 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 I hear people say, I just can't do that. I, I, I just can't. I mean, you don't know what's going on. You don't... You don't know what my marriage is like. You don't know the level of abuse that's going on. And please hear me. I will never say to stay in an abusive marriage. There's right ways to handle that. If there's physical abuse and things like that, let, let us help you. There's right ways to respond to that. But listen to what I am saying to you. When we make these commitments, we have to be willing to be unhappy for a while while we're working things out. Marriage is not about your happiness. It's about the glory of God. It's about reflecting Christ in the church in the physical, emotional, and spiritual relationship that a man and woman have. And we've got to be willing to work that out. I mean, the, the reality is we only need commitment on the bad days, right? I mean, commitment is this. It, it, it's staying true to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you said it in left you. Well, I, I, you know, I, I was a, I fell in love, and I made some promises that I don't really intend to keep. Well, you know what? Stop falling. Walk in love. Love, our commitments go way beyond our moods. And there are days I didn't want to be a parent. 
days my kids were acting crazy. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to leave you on the cereal aisle, you know? Because <laughs> I want Boo Berry and you want Count Chocula. There's days my marriage is difficult. I don't know if I can do this. You know what? My commitment says I'm doing this regardless of my mood. Because emotions, emotions are going to lead us all over the page. And I hear people say, I just can't do it. I can't love him anymore. I can't love her anymore. This, is, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I want to do. I'm not happy. And I hear this, I can't, I can't, I can't. And there's a truth of Scripture, a promise of God that I want to remind you of. Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do what? All things through who? Him. Who is him? Jesus. Who gives me strength? I can stay committed in my marriage. I can be the parent that God's called me to be. Hey, some of y'all got jacked up relationships with your parents. Today's a rough day. But I can be a son or be a daughter because of Jesus. You may not remember this verse in the heat of the moment, but I want you to remember this. He did, so I can. I can't love her anymore. She's crazy. He did, so I can. I'm my kids just going off the rails. I'm done. I can't do this parenting thing anymore. You know what? He did, so I can. And there's some commitments that God makes to us that I really believe when we experience them, not just know them, not just hear them, but fully experience these commitments that God makes in us, makes for us, that it will completely transform how we view our relationships because we'll realize this, he did so I can. He commits to pursue you. Even, I love what scripture says, even while we were yet sinners, while we could bring no value, while we had no righteousness of our own, while we had nothing to bring to the relationship, Christ died for us. He pursued us. He pursued a relationship with us that took him through the cross. And he continues to pursue us. Revelation 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. And he with me. Jesus is there. I want a relationship. I'm pursuing you. I want to connect with you. I, dining, I, I, I want to sit down. I want to commune with you. I want to get close with you. But he's not going to beat the door down. He's not going to knock the door in. He's knocking. And we've got to realize this. He's committed to pursuing you. I pursued Heather. Oh, man, did I pursue Heather. But here's the problem. Because I don't want anybody to think, well, you're just preaching hard against everybody today. I'm going to go at me a little bit. I'm a hunter. I love hunting. I love sitting out in the woods and sitting out in nature. Man, I just love it. But one of the things, one of the areas of compromise in my marriage, and let me explain to you what compromise is. Compromise in a committed 
covenant marriage is this. It's not what do I give up so she wins or what does she give up so I win. Compromise is what do I give up so we win. And on her side, what do I give up so we win? So one of the areas of compromise in our marriage is she won't let me hang dead heads on the wall. We win. But she's like, why would you want to hang them on the wall anyway? It's like, it's the story. Because I want to show it to other men. Like, look at that deer on the wall right there. You know, I tracked that thing for about three and a half months. <laughs> Finally, I up a mountain in the snow, crossed the desert floor, and I swam the ocean to get that deer. And when I finally got in position, did you take the shot? Nope. Got him with my bare hands. That's, that's how men's stories go, by the way, ladies. That's how it is, you know. Messing <laughs> some... Nope, there was a pile of corn on the ground. He walked up and I shot him, you know. But I've uh, been watching him on the camera for about three months, so I guess I've been tracking him. But, but we tell the story. I pursued that and I got it. And right there it is. Our marriages can never be the trophy. Heather is not someone I pursued and got 25 years ago. She is someone that I still choose to pursue today. He did, so I can. I choose to pursue my wife. God commits to protect you. We all want security in our relationships, and God commits protection over us. Even in the storms I create, even in the messes I make, I love to blame the devil for a lot of stuff in my life. And sometimes the devil's like on the side going, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't do anything in that one. That was all on you. But even in those storms, God commits his protection in my life. That when I get in this position where life is just beating me and, and the tribulations, the trials, the struggles, life is just difficult, life is hard. And, and, and even today, you're, you've been wounded in love. You've been wounded in relationships. You've been wounded as a parent. You've been wounded as a child. And some of you, some of you moms are wounded today and, and need God's protection. And you're just in this thing, I just want this storm to pass. I just want this Mother's Day to be over because the reminders that it brings. And you're just in this position. And here's what the psalmist writes in Psalm 3.3. He says, he says, for you, O Lord, are a shield about me, and you lift my head. He says, look up, child. Yeah, this is tough. But you know what? I got you. I got your back. We need protection in our commitment. We need protection in our marriage. It's that thing that when, when, the, when the going get tough, the tough get going. It's not when the going get tough, the tough get gone. I commit to stay in this and protect your heart, protect you. There's a hard indictment in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. When they're crying out, God, why won't you accept our offering? Why won't you accept what we bring before you? And God says, I have a couple things against you. One is, the second is this, you have forgotten the wife of your youth. You've abandoned her. And he says in verse 16, he says, for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her 
covers his garment with violence. What does that mean? It means this, on the very moment that you were supposed to protect the relationship and bring justice for your wife, you walked away. God says, I commit to protect you in every place in your life. He commits to purify you. Ephesians chapter five, he washes us with the word, this cleansing of the word so that he might sanctify. Sanctify is a churchy word. It means this, maturity. It means growing up. He commits to growing us up. What does that mean? By transforming us from one glory to another, by continuing this process of growth in our life, by cleaning us. Even when we mess up, we all have bad days. We all have struggles. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us are gonna achieve perfection on this side of heaven. But what God says is, I want progress. I wanna lead you in progress. And that's a purification process because you can stand before God as righteous, as without blemish, because he commits to purify you. Even when we mess up, when David sinned, he said, cleanse me, O God. How many of us need to come back to God and say, cleanse me of my unrighteousness? Cleanse me, forgive me, help me to become the right person. Become who you've created me to be. Purify me, sanctify me. See, Heather, Heather is not given to complete me. Heather is given by God for his glory because she is part of my sanctification process. That she has the ability to call me out and say, you're wrong, and this action is wrong, and this behavior is wrong, and the way you're acting is foolish, and you're being prideful, or you're being selfish, and she has, the, she has the safety and security in our committed relationship to say those things to know, and know I'm not leaving. And I'm given for her sanctification. Ultimately, in marriage, what should be the result? That we each look more and more like Jesus. Because we're being transformed into the same image from one glory to another. That's commitment, real commitment. I'm amazed at the uh, commitment of our military. We have a lot of military men and women in our our church community, and, and I love you. I am absolutely humbled and blessed by your commitment. I was speaking with one of our Air Force fighter pilots a couple weeks ago. We had, we had several pilots and support staff that, that deployed. And I was speaking with a fighter pilot about formation flying. I said, you know, so you fly fighter jets and you fly in formation. So tell, talk to me about that. Explain that to me. And, and, and he started talking about flying formation. I said, so when you fly and you're like the second or third plane, you know, like the picture, we'll show you a picture. Um, that these planes fly in formation, and that's F-35, because we got a lot of you guys in here that are working on that bad boy. Thank you very much, America. But <laughs> when they fly in formation, I said, so what do you do? Are you, are you on comms? Are you on the radio? And saying, we're all going 30 degrees, 30 degrees bank right, 30 degrees bank left. He said, no, 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 no. He said, the, the lead jet sets the rhythm and the routine. He sets the flight path. All the other jets, all they do is they watch one point on that lead jet. And there's no radio communication. He said, we have flown together enough and we are committed enough to the flight that when that lead jet, if he banks right, I bank right. If he goes vertical, I'm going vertical because I'm watching a spot on that jet and what he does, I do. 
And that got me really amped up, man. I went home, I was Googling formation flights and all this. Man, I'm just like, oh. And I was reading about formation flying, and, 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 and we see it a lot in air shows. But what is the tactical advantage of formation flying? Two things. Flying in formation does this. It helps us focus a larger amount of firepower on the enemy. You have an enemy that's after your marriage. Where's your firepower focused? Are you shooting at each other or are you shooting at the enemy? The other time that formation flying is vital on deployment is when a storm comes up. Because one pilot wrote, the formation flying through a storm keeps us from being separated by the storm. Come on, y'all, that'll preach. In 1982, every one of the Thunderbird pilots perished in a crash. They all hit the deck outside of Las Vegas. And in the the investigation, what the Air Force discovered is that the lead jet had a malfunction and went straight into the ground. And every other jet, because they were so committed to their mission and relied on their training and so focused on that plane that they all went into the ground after them. That's commitment. What's the formation of your marriage this morning? What's the commitment level of your marriage this morning? Are you so focused on the lead, whose name is Jesus, that when he leads you in, if he moves right, you're moving right. If he goes up, you go up. If he goes down, you go down. He's committed to your protection. He will never leave you or forsake you, and he will never crash you into the ground. Where's your commitment to him? And where's your commitment? See, my goal this morning is this, for you to rethink, reaffirm, and recommit to those relationships in your life, to your marriage, to your kids, to your parents. Those key relationships. Where's the commitment level? Because I'm convinced of this. When you truly experience the commitments that God has for you, it will radically change your life. It will transform you. It will pull the veil back and your marriage will begin to look like what Jesus has put together and it will continue to be transformed from one glory to another so that ultimately he's glorified. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your commitment level to us. Thank you for committing to pursue us. I pray for those this morning that are hearing that knock that they they open that door and they begin a committed relationship with you, Jesus, or a recommitted relationship with you. And God, I'm praying for marriages this morning. I'm praying for relationships with parents, with children, with friends. 
But God, I, I, I'm laying the marriages on the altar this morning and I'm, I'm just asking you, you are the lead and you lead us into battle. And I pray, Father, that there is a fight that rises up today, a commitment to the battle to fight for marriage today, to fight for our relationships, to stand like we've never stood before on the commitments that you make because you did it, we can do it. You lead us and we follow you in it. God, I pray right now for the grace to change people. I pray that you transform people today. Help them become the person you've called them and created them to be. Help them walk in love. Help them find their fulfillment, their purpose, their hope, and everything in you. And God, I pray right now for the enemy to get his cold, dead hands off marriages in Jesus' name. And I pray for unity. I pray for the marriages that you have created us to have. All for your glory and your glory alone. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast. Or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at